Alongside Seth Goldberg, I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Monday edition of Orange Nation. We are brought to you in part by Duntire. Going to talk a lot of Cuse basketball today. Adrian Autry set to join us at 1.30, as he does every Monday. Uh, as Syracuse survives a scare, survives its trip to Georgetown with an 82-75 win in overtime, we want to hear from you on Cuse basketball, 315-437-7644. We will also discuss what exactly it means to survive the ground. Uh, some strange calls in the NFL yesterday between the Steelers-Patriots, also a controversial finish to some degree uh, between the Cowboys and Raiders last night. So we'll, The catch uh, rule is dumb. It is very dumb, But yes. I think what happened at the end of the Oakland game is, uh, I hate that even more. Like, I, I can't stand that when you fumble the ball out of the end zone, it changes teams. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the fourth and inches. Oh, well, that was stupid, too. The paper was between the ball and the stick. I don't know how... That's a first down, uh, but whatever. Uh, they they messed up. Uh, I I don't understand how the rule is written that if you fumble out of the end zone, it all of a sudden becomes the other team's ball and they get twenty yards of field position. Like if you fumble anywhere else on the field, literally anywhere else on the field, you just get the ball back from where you fumbled. They do it so that it cuts down on guys trying to do just that, right? I mean that's why they do it. Because then there's no risk in diving for the pylon. And if you lose the ball out of bounds or if you lose it through the end zone, that's the risk involved. So that's why they do it. I think it's a stupid rule. So there are three rules that at some point today we need to discuss. Yes. The catch rule. The NFL had a really bad day with that, their dumb that rule book. first down, like how do you determine what is a first down? I don't know. Uh, and then the, the Did fumbling Did you know out they the could zone. do that? I didn't think that was, like, is that something they were allowed to do? Uh, the official uh, improvised. He said he did that to kind of confirm in his mind what he thought he saw, which was he wanted to make sure the ball was flush with the sticks, and so he tried to put a piece of paper between it. And you said that the paper went between it, but he the put it in at an angle. Yeah, yeah, so he said he just did it for confirmation. But, yeah, that was, Made that for was good him television. Impro- yeah, that was him improvising. Um also, side side note here. It's 2017. Isn't there a better way to spot and measure a football than just guess from 20 yards away and then pull out the yellow and line. then pull out 10 yards of chains? Can't we get like a real yellow line between the sticks on both sides of the field and it just it, if the line doesn't meet the other end of the field, it's a first down. It may come to that. Uh, we could certainly discuss how we would change these rules. Uh, the catch rule, obviously, you know, I'm sure everybody has seen the end of that Steelers Patriots game by now. That is the one that that I think needs to be discussed. That needs to be changed uh, moving forward because it looked like a catch. It felt like a catch, but at the end of the day, the NFL and the officials they got they got it right for yes. how the rule is written, which is the. The strange part of the whole thing, right? I mean, I think we all disagree with that. We think the Steelers should have won the game, and no, it's not because I'm a Bills fan. Um, but the officials got it right. They applied the rule correctly. I just think the, the rule needs to be changed. In every game of football I've ever played, you know, backyard football and, and, and anything like that, that's a catch, right? In almost any game of football I've watched, that's a catch. Yes. But for whatever reason, that's not a catch last night. I, I don't get it. The one thing I also don't get is, how is turning and lunging not a quote-unquote football move? 
certainly seems like it. But yeah. again, the way that the rule is they got written, it right. Yes, it's the way just a the rule is rule. written, he did not complete the catch because he was falling to the right. ground. You got to you know have the ball all the way to the ground. He didn't. The ball touched the ground and therefore was ruled incomplete. But we could certainly talk about that as the show moves along. I, you jokingly said we're going to start with the NFL, right? And then yeah. sure enough, you made me start with the NFL. I did joke about uh, that. But let, let's talk SU basketball. And I want to spend a lot of time on the Orange, certainly the Georgetown game. And, and as we look ahead as well. And everything I laid out Thursday and Friday, Seth, the, the reasons I was concerned about this game for Syracuse, all of those those reasons, all of those concerns played out in the first 30 minutes, right? I said, could the big guys stay out of foul trouble? They did no, not. They did not. The answer was a big no on that. What happens if SU plays a really aggressive defense? They struggle on the offensive end. You know, will SU be a little rusty coming out of exam week and not playing for, you know, seven days and going were. on the road and it's an early start time? They certainly were. And for 30 minutes, all of those things were were combining to form a 13-point deficit. And then in the blink of an eye, they flip a switch, and the big three of O'Shea Brissett, Tyus Battle, and Frank Howard played almost flawless basketball the final 10 minutes of regulation and then into overtime. And they needed it to erase a 13-point deficit over the course of the last 10 minutes. They get that game into overtime. They had all the momentum. And, and then they, they end up winning uh, by seven points. And, and again, it's, it's a win that I don't know how much it's going to help you on Selection Sunday. Yes, it was a way. It was the one true road game that they have on their non-conference schedule, so it's important in that regard. But boy, if they had lost that, that would have been one you could have pointed to that it, it, it could have come back to bite them on Selection Sunday. Yeah, that very well could have kept them out had they lost. Uh, they needed to win that game. If they lost by double digits, that very easily could have keep, kept them out. I think the tr- the turning point really was at 5-15 when uh, Marcus Derrickson went out. Uh, when he fouled out, he picked up those two fouls. Both of them were kind of cheap. Uh, you know, M- Merrick Dolzhai was moving. Uh, on that offensive foul, uh, he just he was. It, it should not have been called an offensive foul, but he fouls out of the game, and uh, all of a sudden, Georgetown has to play quote unquote small, right? They they can't play with their two big men, their two post players. Uh, they only had one, and, and I think that helped out Syracuse a lot because they didn't have Pascal Chukwu and Barama Sidibe playing because neither one was very good. I don't think Sidibe is healthy quite He's yet. Not. He's he not. does not look it. Um, and when you had Dolajai, Moyer, and Brissett along that back line, you just weren't big enough to go up against two guys. But you were big enough to take on one, right? Because you could double that one. You could take care of Jesse Govan. And I think that's really where that game turned. And from there on out, Syracuse was incredible. And I know the the comeback started about four or five minutes earlier. Uh, that, that was when the lead was at its biggest point. But from that five-minute mark on, you got a feeling, all right, Syracuse is very much in this game, and they could very easily win this thing. And and I, that, that, to me, was the turning point. This team did not play well for 30 minutes. They played all right for the next five, and then they were incredible the last five minutes plus overtime. So the last 10 minutes of the game, they played an incredible ball game. I, I will disagree with you on the on the offensive foul. And, and I yes, Dolajai was moving, but... And, and that's a tough call to, to be your fifth foul and be knocked out of the game for, for Derrickson. He did lower his shoulder, though. And sure. even though Dolajai was moving and didn't have position, uh, Derrickson you know, lowered his shoulder and, and went into him, and, and he created the contact. So, again, could have gone either way. I don't think it was 
I wouldn't say it was a bad call by the officials. I think it was a tough call that it had to go one. It was a foul, right? I mean, it was a it, foul. It was one something way or the other, you yes. had to blow the whistle, and uh, you know, I I think they got it right. I mean, I would lean in, in, and again, that's that's looking at it completely unbiased. That play, I looked at it as you know, Derrickson lowered his shoulder, he created the contact, he caused the offensive foul, right. and you know, yes, Dolajai was moving, but he's allowed to try and defend you know the guy who's driving to the basket. So I thought they got it right, but absolutely, that was a turning point. I also think a turning point and yes I will go back earlier than that when it, it got to be 13 and there was the play where Brissett misses the dunk yep. and then they go down and you know Chuku picks up his fourth foul and you, you think you know th- this thing's over and then Howard gets a basket Brissett hits a three Howard gets another basket and now all of a sudden they get it to eight and and Brissett started to heat up from the outside and I, I said this to you on Saturday you and I were going back and forth on text message and I said yeah you know battle was great and Howard was great they don't win that game without O'Shea Brissett oh, and, and no. the way that he played on both ends of the floor, but in particular, his ability to hit a couple of really clutch three-point shots. I mean, there was another one where Georgetown made a 10 with just under seven minutes to go, and then he comes down, hits a three at the other end, and then made a couple of free throws right after that. I mean, O'Shea Brissett was fantastic. Syracuse does not win that game without him. No, not at all. They they definitely do not win that game without him. Uh, you know, we talk about his scoring, obviously, uh, but how about eight offensive rebounds, uh, you know, and, and just keeping these possessions alive? And, and how many times have we talked about rebounding this year, right? Syracuse is a really good rebounding team, right? But how about this first stat? They missed 41 shots. They missed 41 shots and picked up 19 offensive rebounds. I mean, that is nearly half of your misses you are getting back to extend the possession. And that's right at, at their, their season average. Exactly. And Georgetown... Missed 31 shots, and you picked up 25 defensive rebounds, which means that you're cleaning up, what is that, 80%, 85% of their misses. That That is incredible. That is such a, a great ratio. So you're extending possessions on one end, you are limiting possessions on the other, and you look at what O'Shea Brissett did. Eight offensive rebounds. Of course, he pours in the 25 points. He finally shot the ball well from three, right? We'd been hearing from the coaching staff, hey, this kid can shoot. We know he can shoot. Well, he finally showed that off. And, and you know, even even the step back three that I'm sure everybody on the bench was saying, no, 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 yes, it went in. Uh, you know, he played a really good, really complete game in this one. Uh, and... Is that a glimpse? Is that a glimmer of, of what he's going to be? I don't know. I will say this, But he though, looked really good on Saturday. He looked great. And I will say this about the outside shooting. You say, is that a glimpse of what he will be? Hopefully, SU's opponents were watching that. Because even if he's not a guy who is going to make four for seven, and, and who does that You know, every game that he plays, the fact that opponents now have to respect that, when is O'Shea Brissett at his best? When he's driving to the basket. Yep. So if he forces the defender to come out and respect that three-point shot— Pump fake, and he's going to the basket, and that's where he is at his best. So I thought this was a big game for him for a lot of reasons. And Tyus Battle finally looks like Tyus Battle. The, the, not he finally. Was I mean, he's been great all year. I'm saying from the outside. Ever since he hurt his back, he has not looked the same in terms of shooting the basketball. That's what did, I mean by that. Did you have any Six doubt? Six for 11 from three point range. Did you have any doubt that those threes in the last, let's call it, three minutes in overtime were going to go in? No. Like, like um, when they gave him the ball in the corner to start overtime, did you have any doubt that you know, three was going up? No. And, and, and you know who he reminds me of? And I don't know. I don't know if this is a great comparison or not, but it, it, I was having like flashbacks to a certain player when I was watching him play on Saturday. And that player is Kobe Bryant. The way that he hunts for shots and the way that. 
he, like he wants the ball, and you know yes. that when he puts it up in a big spot, that it's going in. And and to me, and again, I know it's it's not a it's not a great comparison. And Kobe is one of the all time greats. So I'm not saying Ty is bad. This right. is as good as Kobe Bryant right now. But just the the way his mentality, maybe you know the the mama, the mama mentality. mentality. Yeah, exactly. That, that was as I was watching that game. That's what came to mind for me. That. Battle was just hunting shots, and, yep. and he wanted the ball, and you knew that when he got a look, it was going in. Um, you know, he flipped the switches. Those three guys, Howard and Battle and Brissett, they have been so good all season long. And I guess, you know, and, and we're kind of up against our first time out here, so I'm going to throw this out there. We could get back to the individual performances from the game and, and what this means moving forward. But, but this is the question that's on my mind today, Seth. Is this sustainable? Is this sustainable to play – Solid defense, and and really, I thought Syracuse defensively played pretty well in this game. They just they couldn't make a shot for thirty minutes. Right to play solid defense, to rebound the basketball, to create second chances, to rely so heavily on three guys every single game. The the workload on the offensive end of Battle, Brissett, and Howard. They played they the three of them they combined right. sat out one minute. Right, Howard came out for one minute. Howard Washington went in and and you know gave him one minute. Uh, of a of a breather and and they the rest of them you know they they played every other minute from from there on out the workload that they are expected to do on the offensive end is this sustainable can they can they go 500 in the ACC or better um with with this blueprint rebounding playing defense and relying so heavily on three guys to score the basketball well doesn't that question come down to the the secondary question of is those are those three better than the three on another team, right? Are are those three better than Virginia Tech's here's, best three, well, Wake Forest's best three, Pittsburgh and Boston College and and Georgia Tech? And are are those three better than that than those other teams' best three? Because I'm not going to go in and expect them to beat Notre Dame, Virginia, a uh, Florida State, maybe uh, you know a, a Duke, a UNC, a Miami. But are they better? Are are those three with this blueprint? Are those three better than NC State's best three, Clemson's best three? Like, everybody that's not the top five in the league. This is why I was saying that, though, Seth. It feels like at times that this three has to be better than the other five. And I'm not saying that they don't get other contributions. Like, Dolajai gives them great contributions here and there and energy and, and second you know chances on offense. And, and defensively, he, he's been very good. And Chuku can erase shots. And, I mean, they, they get contributions. You know, Moyer every once in a while gets to the basket and throws down a dunk on a nice feed from Howard. I'm not saying that the, the other guys are non-existent. They they have roles and and they are are learning their roles. I'm talking about specifically on the offensive end. It feels like did it not feel like that Georgetown game? They're it was three, three on five. five. They, yes. they were. They were. And so and they have been in every game this right. year. Like like we point to this game specifically because it was the most recent. But like you can go to any game this year and you know let me just pull up another box score. But you know the the three of them scored 25, 29, and 19. Right, the rest of the team combined scored 13 points. Uh, you know, it, it, it that it, it's been that way every single game this year. You look at the UConn game, you know, and and it was the same. It, well, that's a bad example because Matthew Moore went off. Uh, but you know, it's it's the same thing. Moyer, Battle, and Brissett. That was the you know, one exception everything. to the rule. That was well, really the one exception. Well, but to the Frank rule. Howard didn't score. Right, so they, you, they had three, but I'm right. saying it wasn't those three. I mean, that is really, and then they had the one game where Battle was in foul trouble, and Geno Thorpe, remember him, he came in and had one good half of basketball. Those are the two exceptions this year. But when right, they, look at the, the the Maryland game. The the rest of the team scored 24 points combined. Dolezal got up into double figures. Right, that was that was a big deal. 
Yeah. So again, that's that's my question, and honestly, I don't know the answer. But my question is, can can that big three be enough in ACC play? And and yes, it felt like at times against Georgetown, and certainly at times throughout this season. It's been three on five on the offensive end for Syracuse. And for 30 minutes against Georgetown, it was not a, a great blueprint. O'Shea Brissett had one point at halftime. Tyus Battle was having a hard time finding open shots because they went up against a good, aggressive defense, and they knew they want to give Tyus Battle the ball. Now, that didn't matter when, when Tyus Battle you know, turned, you know, flipped the switch and, and got into that zone and started doing what Ty's battle does. He found a way to get open shots and it was helped by the fact that Brissett's hitting shots and Howard's right. getting to the basket and, and and that obviously helped him that other guys were scoring. Can well, we get Frank Howard to stop shooting threes, by the way? You know 0 what? for five. You know what though? His shot is a lot better. And and you, it's a good thing O'Shea Brissett didn't stop shooting threes and he struggled well, today. Yeah. I think at some point Frank Howard this year is going to step up and start making shots. Only his three shot, people took his threes. His shot looks by the a lot way, better in this game. Only three Syracuse players took a three. Do you want? Well, let me ask Battle, you: Do you Brissett want any other? Do you no, look at the guys no, on the roster, Seth? Do you want anybody else shooting a three? No, absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> you sound surprised, no. but I'm not sure who else you would want shooting a three. No, absolutely not. I, I don't want anybody. But I, I think that that goes through what we had talked about. This season, though, with this offense, that's kind of why I brought it up, is that they don't have another shooter, right? If if those three were your three and you had one other guy on the floor who could stand in the corner and hit a three consistently, like right, like you would feel all right with that. You know, if, if Merrick Doljai was able to stand in the corner and hit a three if you kicked it out to him, okay, great. And then he could give you eight points because he hits a couple threes, he knocks down a free throw or two, right? And, and you would be like, okay, cool. Like, at least we know we've got eight or ten points coming our way, too. Like, you don't have that. And, and I guess that's what I mean by pointing out that only those three guys shot threes. Like, if, if you look at, and it's a different game, it's a different sport, I get that. But the the NBA guys, the NBA teams that have a three, right? It was Wade, Bosch, and LeBron, and then you had Ray Allen standing in the corner who can knock down a three, right? It's it's uh, Curry, Thompson, and uh, and Draymond Green, and you had Harrison Barnes in the corner who could at least knock down a three, if nothing else. Like this team is missing that guy, right? Is is missing that guy who could stand in the corner and shoot a three when you drive to the basket. I think that's the one thing you miss about Geno Thorpe is that he was a, a guy who could come in and provide you some instant offense. An example being the game where Tyus went out in the first half of foul trouble and he came in and he got hot and he made a few shots. I don't think they're going to miss him all that much in the grand scheme of things, but that is the one thing that that he was able to help this team with is that if they fell behind, you could go small, yes. you could press, you could put an extra guard on the floor, another guy who could make shots, and, and they don't have that now. Again, I don't think it's a huge loss. You know my feelings on Geno Thorpe. I don't I, think it's that big a deal either. But th- that was what he provided. So I, I agree with what you're saying, but they don't have that guy. So with that being said, and again, I throw this out to our listeners at 315-437-7644, I'll say it again. Is this sustainable? Play good defense, rebound, and have really just three guys contribute with a, a large amount. I mean, they're, they're averaging about 70% of their offense per game, those three guys, in terms of scoring production. I'm surprised it's that low. Is that sustainable? We can check the numbers during the... It was 68 going into the Georgetown game, 68%. Yeah. So we can check the numbers. Um, and I think th- that number may only increase now that... I they, think it will. They've got some... Uh, you know, they didn't have to play 40 minutes when they're playing, you know, Colgate and Cornell. Now they so will. So now right. that they're playing, you know, better competition in another couple of weeks here and they're into the ACC, I think that number's only going to go up. Is that sustainable? Give us a call. we got to take our first time out. Back after this on ESPN Radio. 
Brent Axe 4 to 6, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. We're back on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. Today's show brought to you in part by Tag Mechanical, your Mitsubishi ductless split experts. 315-437-7644. Back to the phone lines we go. Steve in North Syracuse next up on Orange Nation. Hey, Steve, good to hear from you. Well, my first comment is that I'm glad they waved off the foul at the end of regulation in the Syracuse-Georgetown game because if we had Georgetown win that game at the foul line and then went through what we did yesterday in the NFL, I would be in favor of completely getting rid of referees. <laughs> <laughs> Very good point. I, w- I do have to ask, what is uh, whoever it was, O'Shea Brissett, Crank Brissett, Howard, yeah. what are they doing trying to hack at the guy 90 feet from the basket? Well, I don't think he was trying to hack. I think he was trying to get the ball back or, or, or create a tie But again, yes, no, you got to know time and score yeah. there, and you got to know the situation. But yes, very da- dangerously close to uh, to disaster there on, on that last play. Yeah, he, he, he seemed to back off at the last moment. The guy called the foul anyway, and... I think the uh, the cooler and older heads have prevailed and said we're not going to let the game be decided by this. Uh, also, uh, I, I listened on Friday to the constant talk of uh, Georgetown's schedule, and I, I think the answer to that is that we weren't playing the teams Georgetown played. We were playing Georgetown. Uh, the fact that you haven't played anybody means we don't know how good you are. It doesn't mean that you're as bad as the teams that you played, and they, they turned out to be a pretty good team. Uh, uh, playing games like this, uh, I think, is important for recruiting more than nostalgia. Uh, uh, we, we've got to continue to connect with New York and D.C. And, and, and Philadelphia, but the impact of that is that the pre-conference schedule gets more difficult, and uh, you know we're, we're used to Syracuse teams having single-digit losses, and we panic if they get into double-digit losses. But I think double-digit losses is probably going to be more the rule than the exception going forward. So we have to kind of get used to to that. My my final comment is we have a big three, and most teams do. Our problem is that in terms of offensive output, the difference between our big three and the other guys is uh, too great. Uh, The big three scored 73 of our 86 points. We got 13 points from everybody else. And I think one of the things to look at as the team progresses through the season is, uh, is there anybody else in that other group that's capable of becoming at least an occasional offensive threat uh, so that we don't have to have the big three score 73 points to win every game for us? Yeah, Appreciate that, you checking in, Steve. And and that that is a good call. And he brings up the, the double-digit loss. I do want to get back to something Dom said, and it, it goes hand-in-hand hand with what Steve said. You know, Dom said if you go, you know, 12-1, and one, and he said, you know, the Georgetown game to him is one win of 20. Well, if you go 12-1 and one in non-conference, that means you just have to go 8-10 and 10 in ACC play to get to 20-10 and 10, theory, yeah. going to, you know, the ACC tournament. You still have the ACC tournament ahead of you. So that's where the extra margin for error comes into play is that, again, I mean – you don't want right. to have a losing record in conference, but if you did, if you went eight and ten, you still would have twenty wins. You still would have the ACC tournament to try and right. prove yourself. That's Whereas also, last year, that was not on the table. That's also assuming that twenty wins gets it done, which I, I just I, 
Look, I, I'm not sure that it does, right? We we don't know that for sure after the last couple no, of years. And I don't but know, it puts you eight, in the conversation. Yes, it and puts it's, you it's in the conversation. A bench, it's a benchmark. You get to 20 wins, and that's before the ACC yes, tournament. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. You're, and, you're but, very much in the conversation. And I would also say, doesn't this team look better than just a 20-win team? Right? Like, yes. Doesn't this team look better than a bubble team? Right now, yes. We have not seen them right. against the ACC. A- absolutely. We haven't seen them against the ACC. They could go and, and they could only beat, you know, the bottom, the cellar dweller teams, the Pitts, the Boston Colleges, the Clemsons, the, the Wake Forest. Like, sure, we, we could we could have that, right? We we could see them only beating those teams. But I, I think that right now, based on what we've seen through Ten games. This is a better team than than a bubble team, and I know that we could sit back and say, "Hey, it's one of twenty, and twelve would give them a great head start on twenty wins." Like, how about be better than that so that we're not sweating it out on Selection Sunday again? Absolutely, and I'm not suggesting. Well, you know, if they win twelve in the non conference, well, then all they have to do is get to eight. I'm not right. saying that at all. I'm saying it it gives you a little margin for error that if God forbid you don't get to nine and nine in conference, I, I've been saying all along, you go eleven and two and you go nine and nine in conference or better, you're in the NCAA tournament. I firmly believe that. My point is, is if you go twelve and one, it gives you that little extra margin for error that if you are God forbid eight and ten and then twenty and ten overall going into the ACC tournament, right. you still have a chance to. Well, if we win a game or two here, you know, now we're a tournament team, whatever it may be. You're in the conversation. Last right. year, they they you were, had to win two or three in Brooklyn to even be in yeah, the conversation. They were, it was an uphill right. battle the entire way. And I guess my point is, is that that this year that's not the case. One other thing before we uh, take our next break, I said we were going to get back to you know the the offensive production. Tyus and Frank and O'Shea Brissett, they were averaging 68 percent of SU scoring going into the game. It now is at 70. That's where it stands right now. 70 percent of the offense. That still feels from low. three guys. <laughs> I think I, for some reason I, I feel like it's more than that, and, and I know you did the numbers and you crunched. Like, doesn't it? When you watch this team, don't you feel like they score more than seventy well, percent of yes. the points? And and maybe the the better comparison would be if we looked at Maryland and UConn and, Kansas and, and Georgetown and, Georgetown. and Kansas yeah. and did you know in Iona, whatever it may be, take, take a handful of the more important games and then look at the offensive production. Yes, I'm sure it's higher than that, although Frank Howard did have the one bad game uh, against UConn. Um, but yes, it, it certainly felt like that, and, and and the stats bared that out against Georgetown on Saturday. It was three guys and not much else on the offensive end, and that's why I said, you know, is that sustainable? It's been sustainable so far. This team is 9-1. and we got to take a timeout. Hour number one in the books. We'll kick off hour number two right after this on ESPN Radio.